1: Hello squadmates! Welcome to the multiplayer gaming podcast. We are so excited to have you all here with us this lovely Thursday as we break down recent gaming news over the last week. Today on the docket, we'll have some news about a new support hero in Overwatch 2. We'll talk about some of Diablo 4's endgame content. We have some news regarding Arc 1 and Arc 2, and we'll finish things up previewing a game called Raven's Watch, so make sure to stick around for that toward the end. I am your host, Paul, and joining me, he can be found wandering the fields of hatred, looking for other players to fight in Sanctuary. He's holding a lot of shards, but has to purify them before he can do anything with them. It's Josh. Why can't I just get purified shards? You know, like <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: shards just making people do extra work all the time. We got to highlight you on the map, Josh, that way other people it's, can come is uh, gank
1: you. I feel like I should be highlighted most of the time. Oh, uh, there you go. And joining us, he's been running around as the Little Mermaid, fighting fairy tale monsters and dying over and over again. It's Michael.
0: What? Yeah. <laughs> that might be Get mermaid-ed, year, Michael. The year of the show, the strangest way that I've been introduced. It's just, I, I, I kind of thought when you were introducing Josh, that one was for me because you talked about just wandering and I'm like, I feel like that's mostly me just wandering around half the time, not knowing where I am. But now at least
1: I know I'm a Little Mermaid, so we'll just go yeah. with it get mermaided i like it
0: get mermaided
1: (laughs) all right so our first story here of the week by the time this episode releases we are now in the midst of season four in overwatch 2 can't believe we're already in season four we are seeing the biggest tweaks being made to moira and Brigida, but more excitingly we have a new support hero as long as you pony up the ten dollars or level up your season pass to level 45 his name is life weaver he uses a fusion of nature and technology and what Blizzard is calling biolight to do damage and to heal. Well, sure. Guys, <laughs> I feel like this character is a pretty big swing by Blizzard. I'm still trying to process some of my feelings here. Let's talk a little bit about his abilities and our thoughts. I, I'm kind of digging the character, man. I like that he's
0: like a toolbox almost. Like he's got like five or six different things that he can do. Um, and, and a lot of that brings utility and the ability to troll people, um, which I'm a little <laughs> excited about too. Not that I would ever do that, but never, um, yeah, I, I mean, just to jump in on one of the things. So he's got this ability to, um, like basically grab a teammate, um, in this, this ability called life grip. So yeah. you can, you can like, Oh, it's almost like a friendly roadhog yoink. In a way, so you can <laughs> like exactly target you can target a friendly person and then pull them towards you, whether they wh- want it or not, which is crazy, but yeah, whether they want <laughs> right. it or not, but I can just see that ability alone. I mm-hmm. love utility stuff, may I loved May because of her ice wall. I could do so many cool things with her ice wall, and I feel like this ability is going to let me pull people out of the diva bomb or. You know, the Reinhardt charge and stuff like that. So to me, that's the one ability that I think is the coolest one. I was particularly excited about the Tree of Life, not just because it's got a really good name. Um, and it, It's very uh, meta, if you will. It is a tree that literally brings you life. Like, it's a healing tree. It's the ultimate. But what I found interesting about it was it's kind of like a Maywall. Like, it actually goes up. It's got hit points. You can kind of hide behind it. It heals if you're in line of sight. Very important. Got to be in line of sight. Um, However, as I was digging through a lot of the different Overwatch um, discussion boards today, a lot of people don't like it. They said it's really weak for an ultimate, which I was kind of surprised by because I was like, I don't know. It seems like it's a pretty good heal. It's an actual AoE heal, which you don't have a lot of from what, you know, there's there's not a lot of Overwatch AoE heals, which is kind of cool. But um but I was a little surprised about that because I was kind of excited about that piece.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting ult. I will be very curious to see how people actually use it. I think the most exciting part of Life Weaver, in my opinion, is the pedal platform. Mm. So basically you chuck a giant flower on the mm-hmm. ground and it will stay forever unless someone destroys it and it becomes a lift elevator for both enemies and allies so if you want to get like up to the higher areas of king's row or something like that plop it on the ground now your ryan can get up to the second story immediately but the enemy can do the same i really don't know how people are going to use all these abilities together but I promise you, like, you know how everyone used to troll with May, where they'd block the, <laughs> the, uh, the exit I, immediately at I the beginning of every match? Yes, yes, Never. Yeah. I guarantee <laughs> you, for the first two weeks, everyone is going to life grip a diva that flies off right in the beginning. You're going to see it in every match. Oh,
0: for yeah, sure.
1: Probably. Yeah.
0: I, I just know that if I, if I was a superhero, I would want a, a magical elevator
1: for my superpower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that end maybe the coolest thing i think is like he's basically got the needler which is like his yeah. gun yeah, it's I got gonna, like this giant cartridge and it looks just like the needler. There is from it's Halo.
0: funny because they Overwatch recycles a lot of ideas. So the Tree of Life is basically Zenyatta's ultimate in a in 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 like material form. I think his ult's hmm. gonna suck, to be honest. Everybody in the world is going to just target this tree and obliterate it right away, unless they give it like two thousand health or something to where it's, it's only a got, got a thousand. Yeah. One
1: thousand. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel
0: like everybody is just gonna target it and then just instantly kill the tree. So I feel like his ult is is not gonna be good at all. I do think Like he's got some decent burst healing ability, and it's got a 30 meter range on it, so I think that will be handy. His thorns are basically the um, who's the new guy, the new tank? I can't, his name's bugging me. Ramatra, Ramatra, it's basically (laughs) like Ramatra's little staff, right? Where it just goes like that. So it's like You know, Zenyatta's ult, but weaker. Ramatra's staff attack, but needles, you know. um, Mm -hmm. Kiriko's, you know, fling it out and it tracks you and heals you. Healing ability, you know. So I do feel like they recycle some ideas, but I love the pedal platform. I like the life pull ability um, or life grip or whatever they call it. He's got a healing dash, too, which I thought was really cool. Right. Because everybody knows that healers have to have some form of mobility, And so he's got this dash where he can kind of just dash quickly off to any of the eight directions, and it heals him for like 25 health. It's not much, but it's enough to keep you alive if there's a Genji on you or something. So I'll be very curious to see, like, is this guy OP because they gave him so much that he can do? Is he kind of weak because he can do too much and he can't do anything great? Yeah, so so that's interesting because I, I was reading a lot. Again, I dug through, so I went way too far in the forums today, and some people did some math looking at the main ability, which is the healing blossom, and saying that actually it, they're concerned it's a little bit weak. And here's why is because you've got the different Overwatch healing abilities, right? Anna's got the biggest one with 75 with her little healy gun, right? Baptiste with 70. Lifeweaver is 65. He's right in the middle, right? The problem is he's got a 1.75 second cooldown, which means with his main ability, he's only healing for 40 hit points a second, which is like dead last, completely dead last. And so a lot of people are saying the concern is that we're going to immediately see him get a bump up for balance-wise because he's not going to heal enough, and they're going to have to reduce that cooldown on his main weapon. So even though he's got a lot in his toolkit, it seems like he doesn't pack as much of a punch when you combine a couple things like the lower heal per second, plus his ult not being so great with people just zerging it down. It seems like there might be some concerns here. I am all for more utility characters in Overwatch, to be honest. I think part of the issue was they started going pure healing, pure DPS, pure tankiness, and then that just creates so much of a divide. Again, I'll reference May because she's one of my favorite characters. Now, they nerfed the crap out of her, so she's not super viable anymore. But the utility... Of a character like May or even like Symmetra where it used to be you could really use her teleporter and stuff like that. I just, I feel like there's not as many utility characters. And if played right, yes, you're not topping the DPS charts. You're not topping the heals, you know, for the match and things like that. What that can bring to a team. Is beyond just a numbers breakdown. I think I, you know stopping yep. a diva bomb from wiping out your team with a maywall is super clutch. You don't get a card for that. You don't get a stat for that necessarily, but that's a game saving thing. And so for Life Weaver, I don't think he needs to be topping the healing charts or the DPS charts. There's already healers and people that do that. I think he's more of a utility character.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see how people play with him and how right. he ends up being balanced. And it's going to be a little while before people figure him out and what support he best pairs with, because that also confuses me a little bit. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure how he's going to work out. Uh, I think the last thing to mention with him is the way that his heel works. It's like a little bit of a slight arc. So it's kind of like you lock on to a target. And then you can press and hold and charge your heal and then it shoots a little projectile. And if you're really good and aim correctly, you can actually like shoot it over like a Reinhardt shield and try to heal maybe like a Genji or a Tracer, someone in the back line. So I think the people who really devote themselves to Life Weaver, it's gonna be a very strong character, I think, at least for a while. And we're just gonna have to see long term where it really like- ends up in the bunch. I really like something like that, my final comment on this, because
0: it, it it separates the people who are pretty good at that character with, like, the pros who can just arc that just right and are just magicians with him. And I like that because there's going to be a lot of decent players with him, but there's going to be people that might set apart who are just better at arcing that just right
1: and, and just really helping the team out. Yeah. All right. Before we hit our second story, Josh, do you want to tell the people a little bit about our Patreon? Oh, I love talking about how
0: people can support their favorite podcast out there. Listen, we do this. We, we we love it. We do it because we love it. We do it because we love the listeners and we love talking video games. Um, but there is a lot of expense involved in something like that. We buy all these games ourselves. We're not getting free games from developers and stuff like that. We're giving you honest reviews We're, you know there's website hosting. There's all kinds of fees and stuff that go to putting together a top tier podcast like this. And you know, if you've been enjoying it and you love it and you think, man, I really enjoy listening to these guys on my way to work or on my way home or at the gym or whatever you know, maybe think about just helping to support the show a little bit. It's, you know, we're going to keep doing this because we love it. But if you feel compelled to say, hey, I appreciate what you guys do, you can head over to MultiplayerSquad.com. You can sign up for as little as five, bu- five bucks a month. You get a ton of extra perks beyond just being awesome and supporting the show. You get early access to episodes. So you get them a day early. You get ad free episodes and you get the squad cast, which is two bonus episodes a month that are roughly about 40 to 40 five minutes each where we go deeper into some games we tell you some new games coming out they're just a lot of fun but anyway that's what you can do if you feel compelled to want to help out multiplayersquad.com
1: all right and for our next story on the docket today we're going to talk a little bit about Diablo 4 we all got to play the beta we all got to play all of act one we've been a little curious to see what the game is going to be like end game and we did get an end game trailer here this week I don't want to sound like too much of a downer because we've all been so high on Diablo 4 and I still can't wait for it to come out. But whenever you have live service gaming like this, every time I see endgame content, it kind of boils down to a little bit of a grind fest. Yeah. And that's a little bit of the vibes that I got here with Endgame Diablo 4. I completely agree on this. Uh, they went through a whole bunch
0: of different things that, you know, that are being added with you know the Paragon system where you get deeper skill tree. That was probably the thing I was most excited about, where you actually get to really customize your character. But when you kind of <laughs> go through, you know, it, it looks like a lot of the things they were going in there were just kind of a mashup of Diablo and Diablo, th- Diablo two and Diablo three end game stuff. You know, like the gear tiers upgrade. You know, you go through and you do a capstone instead of having to play the game all over again to unlock nightmare and hell tiers. Hell is like Diablo two terrorized zones, basically the same thing. I thought Tree of Whispers is like the Diablo three bounties. Um it's nice to see there's a lot there but it just seems like we're just finding the similar ways to just like Paul says grind it out. That being said I'm still really excited because the beta <laughs> I'm still boiling over from the beta man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean you're grinding either for sigils or aspects. Or, you know, it's shards, like it's just pick one thing and you're going to have to go grind it. I will say the Paragon system did kind of make me laugh because it's just kind of this like goofy game board and like you have to click to increase certain stats. And they talked about it like being this fully customizable character, but all of them were just like plus five dexterity, plus five (laughs) dexterity, plus five dexterity. And I'm like, really? Is this really like custom making your character I don't know. For me, maybe I'm in the minority, but when I play Diablo, I'm going to run through it with a couple classes because it's going to play very different. I'll play through at least the first and second difficulties, and I might just call it a day at that point. I don't know that I'm going to engage in this kind of grind fest. The PvP doesn't really call to me either. I don't know if you're ever a PvP guy in Diablo, either one of you. I never was. So I think this is going to be one where maybe I'm going to dabble for 30 to 40 hours and probably call it. I was going to say, I'll definitely get my money's worth and my hours out of Diablo Four. I'm very excited
0: for it. I think the gameplay is going to carry it for quite a while. Um, I'm with you, Paul. I think the like the attribute system, like the Paragon system they're calling it. I don't want to grind for plus five dexterity and plus <laughs> five strength. Like that doesn't. There's no noticeable perk to that. Like, yeah, I get it makes your character stronger, but that's just not rewarding, man. It's not very um, fun. It's not very fun, right. you know? I mean, yeah, I love skill trees, but that's not really a skill tree either. This is just a stat tree, which, do <laughs> those exist? Like, <laughs> yeah. If, if they want to make it fully customizable, give me the ability to make, like, a ranged barbarian. Something so out there that I can just fully customize this character. Give me Nothing ability, ability like tweaks. Give, even if it's 1%, right? right? Yeah, axe Throw does 1% extra damage when a character is bleeding. You know that yeah. gives me the ability to really like hone a build and and tweak a character the way I want to play it the, with the skills that I like and stuff like that. I will say the aspect system works really well for the weapons because that's how you're going to customize these crazy weapons that you like using and stuff like that. Um, it is going to be a grind. Everything about Diablo Four with its pseudo MMO style that that they've they've got with this that screams MMO at that point you know, they come on and they try to say, well, end game content, we've got all these cool things that you can't do until you reach the end game. But none of that is really like new content. It's just harder content with variables. Like one of the things they talked about was the nightmare dungeons, right? And first of all, you have to find a sigil to make a dungeon nightmare. And then you go in and then there's some random modifier in that dungeon. Like maybe there's hell gates mm-hmm. that spawn creatures like dude there's creatures in the dungeon anyway right (laughs)
1: that that was such a bad example because when they said they're going to add additional objectives and modifiers i kind of perked up and i was curious to know what that would be and then their only example is oh we're just going to add more creatures that come out of a random portal every couple minutes and i was like I change. yeah (laughs) that's that's kind of lame I mean, don't get me wrong, I still think this is the most anticipated game of the year. I think it's probably the game I'm going to like the most this year, but for me the end game stuff didn't get me any more excited than I already was. Yeah. I I felt kind of apathetic to the end game stuff. One
0: yeah. thing I did like that wasn't covered in these articles is that Blizzard actually did say or the devs for Diablo 4 said that they're actively right now going through feedback from the betas, and they're changing things, and they gave an example. An example, actually, it was ironically enough, I read this on Wowhead, it was covered by Anna Cakes, who was our streamer of the week like two months ago, um, that they're saying that basically like the gray items and the blue items, so your common and magical items, have no use after the original game, and it's like just trash. They're saying they're actually going to try and have a purpose for it, aside from just salvaging them. So an example like that is kind of nice that they're still trying to tweak things. I-, I do see that as something that Blizzard's always been very good that. And so, I I'm, I'm still excited about you know just the possibilities of of what they're going to see at Endgame. But n- nothing blew my mind here.
1: Yeah. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay, now that we are back, let's talk a little bit about ARC, Survival Evolved, and the upcoming sequel. This is really interesting timing to see this in the news because we do have a new legendary supporter who said they are picking ARC for us to deep dive here in the next couple of months. And uh this is kind of a two-part story. First of all, there's a little bit of bad news. Arc 2, which features Vin Diesel, which I still can't believe, it has <laughs> been delayed. They say it's going to probably come out at the end of 2024, so we're going to have to wait a while for that. But the weird news is that Arc 1 is being remade, and they are going to be pulling down all the official servers for the original Arc, so you will be able to still play on, like, you know, side dedicated servers. You can host your own if you want, but they're yanking all the official servers. And if you want to play on the official servers, you're going to be forced to buy this remake which is going to set you back a little bit. And people aren't terribly happy about this news.
0: <laughs> uh, that's uh, an understatement. People are <laughs> yeah. very, very upset. Wait a minute. You mean this game that I bought, that I'm playing, that I really enjoy? First of all, all my stuff's going to go away. Well, actually, that, that's not true. Because as, as, as a caveat, they did say uh, that you can download your, your like your export your files and go play on a single serve if you want. I'm going to rebuy the same exact game for $50, just with some added texture packs, basically. But I get to beta test Diablo or Diablo. Ooh, still over on that <laughs> one. Um, uh, I get to beta test ARC 2 for, for free as well for $50, which that I don't know. It As an ARC player myself, it, it blows my mind. I don't. I don't understand. This is bad, man. This is real bad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I So they came out and yes, yeah, so they, they said, Hey, ARC two, end of twenty twenty-four. Oh, by the way, ARC one, we're remaking it in Unreal Engine five. Well, everybody's excited about Unreal Engine Five, including me. So if it's like, Oh hey, here's a really big game that's gonna be an Unreal Engine five, this sounds great. And initially they came out and they said, Hey, the way that we're gonna do this is we're gonna charge you forty nine ninety nine and you're <laughs> going to get the arc, uh, I think they call it ascended. Yeah. So instead of yeah, arc survival, survival evolved, it's now arc survival ascended. And so what they said is ascended is going to be the Unreal Engine five one, but we're gonna you'll get arc two when it comes out as well, and that'll cost you fifty bucks, but you get both of them. Well, everybody got super mad, and they started pushing back, and they caught a ton of flack. And you know what they did? They said, "Oh." Our bad everybody. I'll tell you what, we'll take Arc Two out of the equation for you guys because we haven't you haven't seen any gameplay. We totally get it. You guys don't believe in Arc Two yet. So what we'll do is we'll take that out of the package, but we'll raise the price up to sixty dollars <laughs> for you to be able to play Arc One still. <laughs> and I was like, it's so what
1: preposterous. Are you thinking, this, man, like what do you think? This thinking? is weird. Yes, it's
0: weird. Now I get not everybody plays on official servers. You know, we've played Rust, we do play on an official server, but there's a gajillion unofficial servers out there. And so they did finally you know acquiesce and say, okay, listen, we'll we'll make sure your save files work if you're gonna go play on an unofficial server for the old arc. But it's like, you know, in a day when developers are doing You know, free upgrades, uh, free enhanced editions if you already own the game and stuff like that. This is just
1: a really bad look. It really is. And Ark is only eight years old. It released in 2015. I kind of was curious to get your guys' take. How old do you think a game should be before you remake it? Because it's not like Ark looks bad. I mean, I get that they want to remake it and that's neat and all, but it's kind of weird to already be remaking it at this point.
0: It doesn't even look bad like bad it looks fine like it what are they gonna do i don't i don't understand it's not like it's aged terribly it's not like we're talking about goldeneye here to the thing you know? that worries me is arc <laughs> is already a good looking game it's terribly optimized dude <laughs> like horrible oh. my we upgraded my daughter's computer to a pretty nice computer and she was like oh good i can finally play arc and i was like oh no no you're still not gonna be able to play for very well <laughs> yeah That's it's just the game <laughs> it is and atlas is the same exact way i mean they're, they're, so i looked at the studio a little bit um you know, just to kind of have a look around what uh what's the name of the studio again? Uh Studio Wildcard. They have a hundred and like three people working for them across like three different games. And I think, you know, you, you got a picture that some of that's marketing people. There's probably like forty or fifty people actually working on these games. I think only three are for Atlas, there's like thirty for ARC. This is a very small team. And these games are plagued. With unoptimized, just they're, they're, like, they come out and, like, what arc took, what, like, five years to actually come out? It was in pre-release for, like, five or six years? I think it only actually came out, like, two years ago, right? Like, official release? Something like that. But it's still just, it's almost as much of a mess as it's been, you know, for eight years. So, I don't know. I, I'm... Let's see what Arc 2 is. Let's see what's going to happen. I mean, at least if they were to add the beta access for Arc 2 back in, at least you know you get to play that for like five years
1: because that game is going to be an early release for like five years as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also a little bit of a bummer that they said you will not be able to see any screenshots or any gameplay. They are not going to share a single thing about Arc 2 for the rest of this year. So it's a little odd to hear it'll come out next year, but we're not going to be able to see anything until next year as well. So. Yeah, they are taken their release schedule from the day before. Yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer. All right, well, we would like to ask everyone out there to make sure to follow us on socials everywhere at Multiplayer Pod and come join our free Discord server. We love communicating with all our listeners. It's an awesome community. We love getting in touch with you all and getting your feedback and your ideas for the show. You can follow the link in the episode description to join our Discord. And then getting into our last story here of the week, let's talk a little bit about Raven's Watch. So this is an action roguelike RPG. You get to play as fairy tale characters like Little Red Riding Hood oh, or The Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it already released in early access on April 6th, although you can only play the first boss and the first level. The price is $19.99. To me, when I saw this footage, it reminded me most of Hades. If you're a roguelike and you look like this, you're going to invite comparisons to Hades. I think what sets this game apart from Hades and other roguelikes is the fact that there are several characters with completely different kits, different personalities, and that is supposed to keep things interesting, and you can play co op online up to four people. So, how do you guys feel about the prospects of Raven's Watch? I'm excited. Honestly, I, I I can tell in Paul's voice, Paul's like, yeah, it's just another
0: game I'm not super hyped about, but I think <laughs> it looks super fun. I even put in the description, this is Hades meets Diablo, um, which I mean, come on, how do you hear those two games and not get excited about that? Um, I, and honestly, I felt a touch of Weird West in in a little bit of this as well, because hmm. a little bit of the art design, a little bit of like the characters that you play going through the different characters kind of changes the way that you play the game. I don't think this is as story based as Weird West was, but they did say that you are like playing through a story, you know, that that things that what you do in the world kind of matters as well. Um, but I I thought this looked great, man. It, it is a Diablo style action game. Um, so you are just going around slaughtering a bunch of monsters using skills and stuff like that. But I love the character system. I love the fact that I can be a mermaid that that uses water based abilities <laughs> and like swims through the ground. Or I can yeah. be Beowulf with a giant two handed sword. Or Aladdin that's who calls a dragon, yeah. (laughs) Or Aladdin that dual wields scimitars and calls in the genie for help. You know, like (laughs) there's a lot in this game that I thought looked really fun. Yeah, I think it opens up, um, a whole bunch of interesting possibilities just with dialogue and storytelling and so forth. Again, we don't know how story based it'll be, but, um, the idea of having Red Riding Hood go out as a rogue during the day and then at night she turns into a werewolf. That was when I was like, this game might have something really interesting here. Um, I'm just really interested in the idea of having like an action dungeon crawler that's, you know, that, that, that has more action as well. But just with some very interesting ideas as far as, like, how are they going to get these characters, like, if they come together, if there's any story where they're going together as a co-op and so forth, like, to align. We know that Beowulf typically is only interested in killing Grundle, right? But how is he going to team up with Red Riding Hood and go kill the big bad in this? Just uh, It's just interesting stuff for me um, with these existing properties and these existing characters from myth and stories that... Um, I don't know, just unique idea that just blows my mind. I I am as excited as as, uh, as Josh is. Not 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 like Paul.
1: Don't be a Paul for this one. <laughs> I'm not I'm not cool on this one. I love the idea that it's online co-op. I don't think I've ever played a roguelike that's co-op. So I'm very into that. I I enjoy occasional roguelikes. I loved playing Returnal on my PS5. I bought and played a bit of Hades. I like those games. i love the idea of doing it co-op. I will say I went on Steam and took a look at some of the reviews because I was a little shocked to see that it currently sits at a mixed rating at 67%. So I was browsing the negative reviews and almost universally, everyone says there's just not enough for them to be able to charge and label it early access. They all say it's a paid demo. That's all it is. It's incredibly Mm. short. There is almost nothing to do. It's the first level. Although I did read one really interesting criticism that did worry me. They said they love everything about this game, but there is a timer that starts as soon as you start playing, and when the timer is up, that spawns the boss, and then you have to fight the boss. Is that the, and five so, that's the five days they're talking about? That's the five days, yeah. Okay. So they said that does not allow you to slow down and explore and appreciate the world. They felt like it forces you to play nonstop sweaty without the ability to, like, stop and pause or take a break you're just kind of wildly trying to get the loot otherwise you get smashed by the boss so i don't know if that'll still be the same when it comes to the full release date but that was really the only major criticism that i could find online all right well guys i think that wraps up our show here for today we want to remind everyone to make sure to swing by multiplayersquad.com you can check out our support options on patreon and you can come hit us up on discord and on socials everywhere at multiplayerpod Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode, and until next time, happy gaming. I will miss you all until we speak again. Cheers, all. All right. See you, everybody.